You're listening to Portfolio Builders, a wealth cap holdings podcast about long-term wealth building and financial independence. Here are your hosts, Chris Evans and Taylor Welch. How's it going, everybody? Chris Evans here, Portfolio Builders podcast. And today I'm excited about my guest, Mr. Todd Fleming. Todd really is kind of a rags to riches story. Uh, he started out uh, helping someone out in real estate, kind of learned the ropes, went out on his own, and has done really, really well for him and his family. Um, he's actually the author of multiple books. I enjoyed this conversation uh, because he, the dude's just real, and um, he dropped some really good information for us today. So let's go ahead and jump right into the interview. All right, so I am here with Todd Fleming, the wonderful best dressed man in real estate. What's up, bro? <laughs> I totally agree with that. I wish everyone could see all the hats now. They're the source of my power. Yeah, Jordan and I were uh, ragging on you the other day, and uh, it was it was good times. But he's like, he's pretty proper, man. He's got like, this is your business partner for those who don't know. He's got sweet glasses, and these, you know, he's got like the hipster hats. He's got like the fedoras with the feather in the hats. Like he looks like Yankee Doodle. Yeah. (laughs) Well, man, it's 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 great to have you on the show. Um, Not only are you the best dressed man in real estate, but you you are also an author. I am. Yeah, true. You have two books. I've got one on my desk. If you can't cash flow after this, I've got nothing for you. And uh, so I'm pretty stoked about this book. And then the other one you have is uh, the wholesaling one, right? Yep. Yeah. The first one's called, if you can't wholesale after this, I've got nothing for you. Then the second one's, if you can't cash flow after this, I've got nothing for you. So if you want to know about either one of those, you can get, get them on Amazon. Yes, sir. So it's fantastic. So with that being said, just tell everybody who is listening just a little bit about you, your background, um, and what you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Northeast Ohio, primarily in Northeast Ohio market, real estate investing. But before that, I was actually a full-time day trader in the stock mm. market. So for anybody that wants to um, argue that the stock market's gambling or not, we can have a discussion about that. <laughs> um, or that it's not manipulated or it's not controlled by uh-huh. entities that are larger than you and that you cannot control, but maybe you could ride their coattails if you understand the pattern. So that's actually what I did before uh, getting into real estate. That was my first like real big entrepreneurial journey <clears throat> yeah. until I realized I hated it mm. and hated everything about it. I hated that I was in front of a screen for 10, 12 hours a day. I actually felt like if I'm going to do this, I might as well go back to my job that I didn't like Yeah. too. Um, might as well just build my own cubicle and sit inside of it in my own house instead of somebody else's. So okay. that's what uh, that's what stock trading felt like or day trading felt like for me. And then I just tried some different ende- endeavors and moved around and um, tried a whole bunch of different things and eventually landed up or ended up on real estate, but I ended up on the license side. I was an agent for a little while, roughly an hour and a half. Um, mm. that not only did that not go well, I felt like I had a job again, which yeah. was not going well for me. I was just working for other people. And now as a business owner, entrepreneur, I understand working for other people is actually what I wanted to be doing, but at the time mm-hmm. or what I needed to be doing, but at the time I didn't understand that. I thought I wanted something. I wanted to be my own boss. Right even yeah. though I've always hated my boss. So why would I want to be my own boss and just hate me? So <clears throat> eventually landed on real estate on the license side, discovered I didn't like that. I really wanted to be on the investing side, but I didn't have any money. And that's when I discovered wholesaling 
and how mm-hmm. that could help me build some capital, get me going, learn some relationships, learn some tactics, some process, and then start building a foundation. So I started with wholesaling, did that my first couple of years, and then um, really got into buying hold and notes and really any aspect that pays me hundreds of times instead of once. So not only are you act, an active investor in real estate, but you also train a lot of people. You guys have a pretty big company, yeah? Correct. Yeah, we have, yeah, it's called the Kingdom Real Estate. And we've had, we just crossed over the 4,000 student mark, which is really, wow. really cool. But, yep. Yeah, what do you primarily teach them? Is it wholesaling or what? If start to finish. Um, if you want to learn wholesaling, you can come in and learn wholesaling. If you want to learn buy and hold, if you want to learn fix and flip, if you want to learn promissory notes, if you want to learn how to have absolutely no capital, credit, experience, relationships, nothing, and start from like the ground up and literally come in and say, hey, how, like, where do I start? What do I do? We can start you there and take you all the way to, hey, this is your first apartment building. Um, so we've really built something that has uh, specialties and niches built within it. So we have a lot of people, we have a lot of different mentors and teachers that they are specific in their realm. And then when you put mm-hmm. us together, we're able to cover a lot of different avenues. Amazing. So I was reading your book in the the cash flow book. And the, the one part where you talked about your you were coming up on your first wholesaling deal, you had eleven dollars in the bank account. Eleven bucks. Eleven bucks. <laughs> yeah. And, and the the guy who was buying the property had an issue with his ID, right? And then you oh had to gosh, wait the whole weekend to figure out like <laughs> is this gonna fall through? Like what is going on? The level take, of stress. take me back to that feeling. Do like how did that how did it feel being in that place where you didn't have control or feel like you didn't have control over your finances? And was that a turning point for you, that whole process? In two ways. One, it made me very aware of my actions previously. And two, mm. it also made me realize that it didn't take capital to create it, which mm. was a big deal. So it was a turning point for me in understanding how to actually control. Uh, what we call money, capital, um, yes. and how we actually assign energy to it and where it needs to go. That way it can actually multiply and grow for us that we were not always trading our time for. That was like the big turning point for me because it made me realize that I can do anything. Because if you can do a deal, if you can do the most expensive thing in the world, which is buy property, yeah. what's more expensive than buying property? Maybe buying businesses. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, it's the oldest game in the book. It's the most expensive game in the book in most people's minds. If you can do that with $11, you can do anything. So that's what really happened when that proved that to me. So on a Friday, I had my first closing. So I was naturally excited. And the title company was actually located above a Starbucks. So I was going to go in and get Starbucks as my <laughs> reward. And I walked in, I checked my bank account before doing it. I had 11 bucks. Mm. So I actually chose to not do it. I was like, maybe I should wait till I have the check in my hand, just in case. For some reason, yeah. something told me, like God was telling me like, hey, uh, why don't you hang on to that 11 bucks for a minute? So I walked upstairs and found out that the buyer of the property or the buyer of my contract, I should say, um, his license was expired. So he couldn't send the wire to the bank. Ugh. And so they had to wait till Monday to renew it. And then, so I had to go all weekend with 11 bucks. And that was, and when I closed that deal that following Monday, it was 364 days since I had made my last dollar in wow. business and job. So I went one year without making a penny, literally. Wow. Were you married at that point? I was not married at the time. Nope. No, we had actually just started dating. So she, okay. so we're married now. Did she know um, how poor you were? 
<laughs> so, uh, you know, for the first few weeks, I don't know, man. I don't think so. And then it became, she's like, well, he's got an apartment and everything. He lives by himself. And then, uh, you know, by the time the deal was closing, she was like, oh, yeah, this guy, I need to buy this guy's lunch. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so you made that, I think it was seven grand, right, on that deal? Yeah, 7500 bucks. Yep. And and then so you you pushed that for the next 12 months or so. Um, and that You got married not too long after that, yeah? Yeah, what it was, was that the, time frame. It, yeah, it was the, it was the following year that we got married. So we had been together oh, right around a year when we got married. So she was about six months before that. So we yeah. So it was about six months in when I got like the first deal officially closed, profit actual check through the door where we could go to dinner, and I was like, hey, I got this. You know, yeah, well, so I could take you to Taco Bell. Babe. You know, you multiple, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can get a box <laughs> of soft tacos. <laughs> Yeah, we did the five dollar box. Yep. Yeah, that's when you know you have a great woman, man. When she marries you at, at the low. So oh that's man, how, that that's how it was for me. Oh, a poor wife. Yeah. So true. Yeah, I've I've heard some sayings recently. I don't know where it came from, but I've heard it multiple times now that money will attract the woman that you want, but your struggle will attract the woman that you need. Oh, that is, and that is what happened. A hundred percent. She is super busy. Like I couldn't be any proud of her too. She has her own business too. Nice. Um, she has her own consulting business. She's very, very business minded, extremely uh, tactical. Like she is able to look at something and prioritize and break things down in a way that I've never seen somebody do before. So she's super skilled with that. So awesome. I don't, I would hundred percent not be where I'm at today without her. Yeah. Well, shout out to all the wives. We wouldn't be where we are without you ladies. So I wanted yeah, all to. The, all the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to bring up that for a reason, because in the book you're talking about, uh, how you were making money and you were working a lot. And then your wife got sick. She was pregnant, right? And she was bedridden. And you got to a place yep. where you stopped working for three months. And guess what happened? The money dried up. Yeah. Dun, no dun, matter dun. how much we were making. Yeah. No matter how much we were making, it didn't matter. So I was closing then, deals. I was doing multiple deals a month, doing 20, 30 grand a month. Um, and so when you get to that point, one, your spending gets a little erratic too, because especially if you go from like eleven dollars to mm-hmm. say fifty grand in the bank, it's like, well, we're gonna go out to eat every day now, yeah. multiple times a day, and then we're just gonna do whatever. You know, we weren't as sharp because we didn't have that pain behind us anymore. Yeah, and then so we got uh, pregnant with our first son, and he or uh, she had what's called hyperemesis, mm-hmm. so she couldn't eat or drink. Cause she would just, she was bedridden and sick for like nine, all, all nine months, mm-hmm. all nine, nine and a half months, whatever it is technically. Um, so I wasn't able to work for the last half of it. The first half I was still able to work a little bit. So then I was, I wasn't able to work for the last three, four, four and a half months. And then the money dried up. And that was the real kicker of, Oh, we got to do something where it's just paying us all the time, whether I'm working yeah. or not, or we're never going to be able to scale. Cause we only have 24 hours in a day. How much can I do? Right. So that's when like the thought and revelation of passive revenue and income just hits you. Yeah, that was, that was the big one that, so we were able to sit down and have a conversation and go, okay, instead of our next check, instead of the next flat fee, wholesale check, $7,500 assignment fee, 10 grand assignment fee, whatever it's going to be, I'm going to accept a promissory note instead. And they're so going to put me a couple through, grand down. What's that? Yeah. Walk me through that process. What does that look like? Okay. Yeah. So normally, and for anybody that doesn't know what a wholesale transaction is, 
you are in a very, very simple way. You're bringing a buyer and a seller together and you're, mm-hmm. you're solving both of their problems. The buyer needs a property at a discount. The seller has some sort of pain in which selling the property would solve that pain. Right. You get paid on the difference. So say seller needs 50 grand, buyer's willing to pay 70. I put the contract under, or I put the property under contract for $50,000. I then sell the contract to the end buyer for 70. I made 20. Mm-hmm. So that's how you make a spread in real estate with absolutely no money, experience, credit, nothing. Right. You didn't need anything. You just solved problems for people. So traditionally, you get paid 20 grand and then you got to go find another one. You're always starting yeah. back at zero, which is really difficult. Um, and I think that's something that we'll get into for sure. But that is, that it's unscalable. Unless you put it together a large team and you're mm-hmm. doing, you know, think, automating things. And it, once again, that becomes a repeating revenue anyways. So it's passive again for you as well if you own that, if you own those systems. But what we did, since we didn't have a team yet, we decided to get a little creative. So we're like, okay, we're going to take a promissory note on the property. What that means is instead of the end buyer bringing 70 grand to the table, he brought the 50 that I had it under contract for. Mm -hmm. And then we wrote up a note and a mortgage for 20 grand, just like he would go to the bank and get 20 grand or somebody else would go to the bank and get so many dollars. He owed me X amount of dollars per month. So say it was... I think our first one's like 400, our first one was like 450 or 500 bucks a month. Mm. So by doing that, once we once again created capital out of thin air, but now we've recreated, we've created something that's monthly, residual, repeatable, and we're not having to trade our time for it. So it's very, very scalable. Right. So now that it's predictable, now we have this $500 coming in every month. We're like, okay, let's go do it again. So we went and did it again and again and again and again. And pretty soon we were making the same amount of money every month but we didn't have to work for it anymore. It was mm. just coming in because of the value that we had created in the marketplace. That's awesome. So how did that change your life? Like the experience of that in, in those checks or wires or whatever every month uh, coming into your account, how did that change your perspective in building long-term wealth in real estate? So what's interesting is the, is the first one's actually painful, which sounds weird. Like that mm-hmm. first $500 check is painful because it's not 20 grand and 20 grand right. is always sexier than 500 bucks. <laughs> Yeah. After you do it once, you become addicted to it mm. because the next month when it comes in again and you didn't have to work for it and you almost forget about it and it comes in, that's when lifestyle change happens. That's when opportunity changes. And that's when I realized like everything that we do is now compounding. And the more that we practice these principles and the more that we get better at our skills, the more that we're going to grow and the more opportunity we're going to have for us and the more opportunity we're going to provide for others around us. We're going to be able to create jobs. We're going to be able to give more. Like it's created absolutely everything in our lives from making the transition from short-term thinking to delayed gratification to long-term thinking. And that's made all the difference in wealth creation and going from $11, you know, just a few years ago to multiple million dollar net worth. That's amazing. So with that being said, what does your portfolio look like today? So our portfolio now we have primarily us, my, my wife and I, we primarily have single family and small multifamily. Um, Mm -hmm. we have one and we have one commercial building and then we also have uh, a slew of promissory notes. I actually love my paper. Paper is just another word for notes. Um, I love our paper. Boy, they're simple. They're easy. And when you, and honestly, when you love paper, it actually allows you to raise money from other investors a little easier too, Mm -hmm. because you get to share that with them. Like, Hey, you guys are doing a great job building capital, running your businesses, having great jobs, you know, building your family let us do the hard work 
and you guys can just get paid every month because that's my favorite thing anyways. Like, so I'll give you money at times. Like you can give us money at times, like whatever works right. best in that scenario. Right. Yeah. So essentially you're, you're becoming a bank. Exactly. Yep. Through leverage. The more we can and... act like a bank, the better because the banks are the largest entities on the planet. So every time I want to learn, I just look mm-hmm. at a bank and go, what are they doing? Yeah. And if they're going to do it, I want, how can I do it? And how can I do it just as well as them if possible? So is all of your portfolio in Ohio or you have expanded outside of that? Uh, so we had expanded out. We had property in Pennsylvania as well, but we actually sold out of it. So I am primarily in Northeast Ohio now. I really like the market here. I understand the market. Um, not that I wouldn't go outside of it at all. I'm very yeah. open to that. But I feel that we have a mission here to restore quite a bit here. Um, mm. There's a lot of areas that need help. And that really, really fits like what we're trying to do. So we hold a very high standard for our rentals and then our renters. And what that does is it raises up the land, improves the land, improves the, the value. All the like investors and the other people are lifted up by it. Like all of it moves in the right direction when we do things right as investors first. Yeah. What is pawn mentality? You talk about that in the cash flow book. So the pawn mentality is very similar to what hit me. I was drowning in my own pond or I was drying up in my own pond. I, mm-hmm. I, would, I would maybe word it like that when my wife got sick with her first son. And that is when your money is stagnant and sitting, it dries up. It's just like a mm-hmm. pond. But when you have a pond, if you're looking at it and it's not raining and there's no flows, right? So there's no cash flow. If there's no flow, any rivers or streams going into it. Yeah. What's the pond do? It turns and it dries up, right? Yeah. Now think of an ocean. Think of all the streams, rivers, and everything flowing into that. The more that you yeah. can act like an ocean and have all these different streams and everything flowing into you, you'll always get stronger. And I think real estate is the absolute best at that. I don't think you can beat real estate at it just because it's so repeatable. So as an example, um, something I talk to a lot of people about is a 401k versus real estate. Okay, mm-hmm. what is wrong with my 401k retirement plan? Let's not even talk about, we're not even going to talk about taxes or anything, which hurts the right. 401k worse. But I'm, I just want to keep it as simple as humanly possible. When you put money into a 401k and you retire, what do you stop doing? You stop that single stream going into your pond, right? Yeah. So what it does is you start to pull out of it. You're like, yep. okay, every month I'm going to pull out of this thing. And what's it doing? It's churning and it's drying up. It's shrinking. It's always getting smaller. Mm. Now you could put those same dollars into a real estate deal, Right. And that real estate deal, one, you can start pulling from it day one, month one, not year 62 yeah. or what, whatever the exact year is. So you can pull from it for 40 years before you can ever pull from the 401k. Mm. And then also, it's also growing the entire time. There's more streams going into it, right? So you have rental income coming out. And then at the end of the day, let's say you're the same age, 401k and real estate. Real estate, you've been pulling out of for 40 years. So let's say it's already paid you a couple million dollars. Let's just take that out of the equation too. Mm-hmm. Let's just make them completely level. You've never pulled out of real estate. You've never pulled out of 401k. They're sitting next to each other. You start pulling out of the 401k, you start pulling out of real estate. The real estate still grows larger and it doesn't shrink because the value of the property is still going up and you yeah. have opportunity to put more properties into it or like put work into it and then prove it. Like you have all these options well, so the real estate's always growing. So your every dime that you put in is always growing versus drying up on the left side with the mm-hmm. 401k. So that's why the pond mentality to me is super, super dangerous when I see people like, well, I'm putting 10% of my 401k and they're matching it and it's free money. 
it, yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Like, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. If you pull from it and it dries up, why does that matter? Like, I would rather see somebody put their money into real estate that's always growing that you can pull from day one and that isn't going to dry up for you. So as someone who currently is in that situation, I actually have a pond in my backyard and it literally it, it dried up last summer. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> and so like this example. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I visually saw it and it was terrible. Um, so if someone is in that situation, like that's resonating with them, maybe they've worked in corporate for a long time or even an entrepreneur and they've put money into a 401k and they just, it's just stagnant. How can they make that transition to start uh, putting that money uh, into real estate and start building those streams of, of income? I think the first step is building awareness in yourself and educating yourself. So the first thing you have to do is you have to be aware that you have the problem. So 90% mm -hmm. of people are out right uh -huh. away because they <laughs> don't have a level, of, don't have a level of awareness to realize that they have a problem before it's, before it's really hitting them. Yeah. So yeah. lesson one, if you're listening to this and you have a 401k and you don't have any other investment tools, take, <laughs> take that little bit of pain that that probably caused you and Ooh, just realize sting. like, and take the sting and look at yourself and go, how can I build my awareness in this? Yeah. I'm not even saying you have to go into real estate. You can go into a lot of other things that give you opportunities that you can diversify yourself or you can really, really focus on that will allow you to either pull from tax benefits, cash flow, whatever it may be. I just think real estate is the best personally. So right. step one, awareness. Step two is really educating yourself and focusing in and realizing, okay, if I have this problem or if I want to avoid this problem happening, how can I best do so? What works for me? Look intrinsically. Do I like single family? Do I want to start small? Do I like mm -hmm. multifamily? Do commercial spaces really, you know, fit me? Uh, does the short-term rental and making things beautiful and dealing with people on their absolute best days because they're overpaying to be on a vacation in my property, but they're excited about it? Like, is yeah. that something that an experience that I want to create and manage? You know, you can start looking at these things and like, okay, so awareness, I have a problem. B, educate myself. What, what fits best for me? And then take the action step and move forward to it and, and try it. You have to try it. You have to put a little bit of money into it. Yeah. So talking to the, the entrepreneurs who are listening to this podcast episode, people that, you know, uh, we probably run in similar circles, you know, a lot of our clients who they're, they might be in a similar situation to you back in the day where you are trading time for money. They're still doing that in their business, whether they're lacking the proper infrastructure or the vision or awareness, whatever, what would you say to those people and what they should change if they want to build long-term wealth that doesn't require their time? Yeah. So taking, taking that awareness step is definitely big, but being open to change because change is hard, even if you want to change, let alone mm -hmm. if you're not aware that you need to change. So if you're somebody and, and then to also realize that it's okay, like that we all started somewhere. We all started at zero. We all started with a small pond and or no pond that we had to water, like we had to grow it a little bit, right? Yeah. And we had to add to it and then it grows and compounds over time. So the best thing you can do is take that first step and actually do it. Find somebody that you trust that's in real estate, such as a Chris, such as myself, such as a Taylor, such as like anybody that's actually reputable in the field yeah. and go, how can I, how can I best get involved? And it might be a small amount. It might be an average amount. It might be like, Hey, you know what? If you just want to tag along and check out this property and see how the process works, you have no idea how many right. people I've done that for that. It turns into this flourishing relationship and they, and, and they end up leaving their jobs 12 months later because they're so unfledged in real estate and they're really realizing like, okay, my business is operating in this way. Now I'm 
flowing my cash through my business into my real estate because I am ensuring that I'm going to, I'm, I'm ensuring a later income, which yeah. is one of the principles of finance, right? You have to ensure a future income no matter what, no matter you can yeah. work or not. So if you're somebody right now, business owner or not, that has a pawn mentality and or has a pawn situation where you're always starting from zero the following month, ask yeah. yourself, what if I can't work next month? Mm. What if I, what if something happens and I can't work next week or I can't work again, or if a major or, or if a close friend or family member can't work again, how can I support them? Right. And if you don't have anything on repeat or passive or residual, you're going to struggle to do that because you always have to go work more and it's going to become more stress load and you're, and you're going to fail health wise. You're going to fail mentally. You're going to fail physically. Like you're going to start to break down because it's too much. You have to be able to own some systems and processes and allows uh, the money to go to work for you. So I think asking yourself that question and being aware that you can change, you know, we have plasticity, we're not fixed yeah, and that we have yeah. the ability to mold. So you can just mold into something else, but you just have to take that first step. Yeah. I think people have a lot of negative or incorrect assumptions. They assume that uh, how things are operating today will continue to operate that way. So the market's great. People have money to spend. They're buying my programs. They're buying my products. So that's going to continue to be the case, right? And that's an incorrect assumption. It's not going to be the case. So what you're talking about is you know, take your labor today and put it into investments, things that will feed you a year, two years, three years, five years, 10 years down the road. Um, and this is something that Taylor and I talk about is optionality. Like you always want to be putting yourself in a place where you have options, right? And when, yes. you, when you reverse and you get out of that pond mentality where it's stream, it's ocean, there's, you know, all kinds of, of revenue sources coming into your business, um, LLC, however you're structured, that gives you options. That gives you uh, a standpoint of power so that you can make emotions based off logic versus, or make decisions based off logic versus emotion, right? So I would highly encourage you guys to consider this because especially, you know, Todd, we deal with a lot of younger entrepreneurs. We, I call them new money and yeah, I like it. You know, they just, they're, they're not aware on, on how to, they can make money. They can go out and generate revenue, but to, to keep it and grow it is a whole different story. Exactly. Right. And the, everybody wants money until they have it. And then they realize that they want options. Yeah. They want freedom of money and then they want freedom of options. Now, don't get me wrong. I think the money has to come first for you to really, truly like understand, feel it and learn it. Cause don't get me wrong. Like, dude, I'd rather go out and buy another car than another house sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what kind of, like, what kind of car? I'm like a car guy. So, um, you know, I'm buy another Ferrari or something. <laughs> like, <I'll> buy, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to drive. I don't want to drive a Hyundai. You know, like, feels good to spend that money. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, like what's wrong with an Audi R8? You know, what's wrong with the Ferrari 458? What's wrong with, you know, the Z06 Vets? Like, no, they're a lot of fun. Everybody should have them. Everybody yeah. should experience them. But like, no, don't get me wrong. You can buy those right. And you can have value plays and wealth transfers. Like putting that aside, right. you know, putting your own capital into something like that isn't a great use of capital. It's, it's fun for a while and it's a lifestyle and it's exciting and people, it wears know, off. whether you want attention from it or to inspire from it, you know, whatever it may be. But every single time that I put capital into a property, it pays for years and years and years. It like if it appreciates, that's just a bonus. We don't even count on that. As long as it works cash flow wise, that's all we care about. And yeah. then, you know, we make it nice and we uplift the land and like everybody gets better because of it. And that's wildly more fulfilling than anything we've done. 
Yep. So what is your goal with real estate in regards to how much you want in your portfolio in the next three years? So, you know, I've never actually put a number on it. I just want to really focus in on repeating the best possible principles and taking care of people the best possible way. Mm -hmm. And then the real estate is going to take care of us because we know that the more that we purchase, the more that we own, the better it's going to get. And the only way to do that the right way is to focus on the principles, the processes and the people. Yeah. And that way the real estate comes along in the right fashion. Cause I bought properties the wrong way before. Like every investor has, and it like becomes a nightmare and you got to fix it. And then over time it becomes better. But when you focus on the people first, it's not about the boxes with the tops on top of them. When you focus on the people first and solving a problem, like that property just starts off right off the bat in a positive fashion. And then it just gets better from there every time. Right. What is your passive cash flow look like a month now? Uh, Right. We make right around 70 grand a month right now on it. Ooh, big dog. Which is not a ter- which is not a terrible feeling. Yeah, we we average right around the 70 grand mark. And is that with you and Jordan or just you and your wife? How is that structured? Uh that's just me and my wife. All right. So with that, how does it feel that's, waking yeah, that's, up? That's what that's what we put it, that's what we put into like because we use uh whole life policies as a plan to like grow capital and mm-hmm. be able to double dip and reuse it. So we we have that, we place it into real estate. Um, we have our own personal savings, obviously. We don't keep much in there, honestly. Like we yeah. reinvest heavily, heavily, heavily every month. Yeah, my my goal is typically to keep less than 50 grand cash. Yeah, because once you get past that point, it becomes it's like you said, it just becomes stagnant. You know, we're we're usually around the hundred mark. Um, for whatever reason, it's just kind of where we hang out at, but everything, mm-hmm. I, everything else past that, it's like, okay, we got, say we got two ten in there right now. It's like, all right, yeah. we're going to buy two duplexes and we go buy two duplexes. And then, and then what else is also able to happen from that is we create, op- again, freedom of options, right? We create options for like, Hey, we can place other people's capital on this now and we can get our money back and reuse it. We can go to the bank and get their money and place it on the, uh, on the property. And then we can reuse our capital again. So like, we can have the same hundred grand reused 10 times versus if I go buy a bunch of Jordans, you know, like the Jordans are cool for a while, but like the money's gone forever. I have to go re-earn it. So everything that I do, I am focused on value first. I don't care about price as much. I care about value. Yeah. I don't want the cheapest price. I don't want the best sale. I want the best value. So everything that I'm putting in place if I'm putting my money into it, I want to be able to get it back out and or reuse it at some point. Yeah. So going back to that, that cash flow, what does it feel like to wake up knowing that you have that coming in every month? Complete freedom. Tell me about your stress levels. Stress level one out of 10, 10 being heart attack, one being least. We're right around that one mark. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Right dude. around that like, one level. Especially you have one, do you have two kids? I have one. Yeah. I got one. one son. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how does that as a parent and a husband change the game for you? Yeah. Oh, I get to spend any day I want with him. Like that, again, that's like back to that freedom of options. So he turns four in May of this upcoming year. Whenever you're listening to this May, 2020, he turns four. So if you're looking at the timeline of the rest of our story here, you're starting to understand yeah. like it doesn't take all that long if you're doing the right things. So it's awesome. Dude. Um, to have the ability to like, like every Wednesday is his name's Wyatt. So Wednesday is Wyatt Wednesday. I spend every Wednesday with him. 
Um, awesome. He like he goes to houses with me if he wants. Like we go play, we do Legos, we do whatever, right? Yeah. And to have the yeah. ability and the option to do that makes every single day better. Makes every day better. Now, like mm-hmm. I have to send him off to preschool that way he can learn and everything. And I'm like, because <laughs> I'm like, that's my buddy. Like, no, he wants yeah. to hang out with me today. He's not going with you. But yeah, um, to be able to have that option and not go, I don't know how normal parents do it. For everybody that has a nine to five job and has children, I tip my cap to you. I have so much respect for you because mm. I don't know how you guys get into school on time. I don't know how you pick them up. I don't know, like I don't know how you get anything done during the day because my wife and I we are very specific about like we do a lot instead of date nights we do date lunches so we have a lot of lunch yeah. dates. Um, That's awesome. So we get to spend a lot of time to, time together and we have rules like hey the phones go away if we're eating together and it's just we're actually present in the moment. So to have the ability to do that and to have the option of like making mistakes and it not crippling you is huge. So like when I had 11 yeah. bucks, if I made a mistake, I was in a lot of trouble and that creates a lot of stress. But when you, you oh, like, we could go out and make a hundred thousand dollar mistake and the next month it's fine. Yeah. So do you guys travel much? Like how do you enjoy the wealth that you've created in the passive cash flow? Aside from Jordan's. Yeah. <laughs> Cars. Yeah. Um, I actually don't love to travel, which people are like, that's crazy. I, for whatever reason, I just don't love traveling. Um, I like when I'm there. I don't like the A to B process. So I try yeah. to make that as like as comfortable as possible. Mm-hmm. But um, whenever we're actually there, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, we do like family vacations. So what we do is we will um, we'll pick out like family members, our closest family members that uh, um, we're closest with. And then we'll take them all on vacation. Um, and then nobody has to pay anything. So we'll pay for everything, flights, you know, house, whatever. Um, so that's a lot of fun. We do that a couple times a year, like the car stuff a lot, actually enjoy reinvesting. But, um, something we like to do is we just like to sit down and like actually relax. So we'll spend time with some friends or it'll just be, you know, our small little family, but just to have like that low stress level and we're not worrying about the operations of things actually allows us to be present. How is that when you mention friends? How is the wealth that you oh, guys have built? I should say I should say one more thing. Yeah, go one ahead. My wife's really good at my wife's really good at giving, so it keeps us motivated to keep going. <laughs> so she she finds people and processes and, and programs to to give to. She gives to the church a lot, but um, she's a very good giver. So at the she's level generous. that she gives, I'm like, we this businesses have to do well. <laughs> keep you on your toes, son. Yeah. <laughs> With your friends, um, how is having wealth and this money and, and you know, it's, it's abnormal to it American is. society. How has it affected your relationships, negative or positive? That's a really interesting question. And I think you're able to ask that question because you've experienced it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what made you come up yeah. with it. Um, because that 100% happens. Um, when you are transitioning from maybe a level like where you're not aspiring to be right now up to a level that you've always like dreamed of and like maybe even start to surpass that the people mm-hmm. in your life start to change a little bit. Yeah. Um, when you have a certain level of wealth and success, people actually start to treat you different, even if they don't know it. Um, mm. And you have to be, in my experience, you have to be careful with that. So early on when we were doing well and I wasn't experienced with it yet, I was easily taken advantage of. Mm. And not taking advantage of and like, hey, they were like trying to take advantage of me. It was like, hey, 12 people go to dinner and it's like, hey, Todd's got it. 
Mm, and yeah. and it just became and it became habit. And what that actually creates is even though you have the ability to support it, if it's not something that you're looking to give or do that day, it actually can create a little bit of resentment and can actually yeah. damage relationships, which I've felt, unfortunately. Right. Now I understand how to protect that and also set expectations. And what that does is that discipline actually helps everybody in the room because mm. everybody in the room, even though they're not talking about it, money is so taboo. And I am so openly willing to talk about it because I think it helps people. And I think we need to talk about it Yeah, that yeah. they're all thinking about it. So if I don't like, so I like to bring it up right off the bat, like, Hey, we're doing dinner for everybody. So no one has to think about it. You know what I mean? Like stuff like yeah. that. And it actually has helped the relationship. And, it, and when, and when we don't do that, it's like, everyone's like, Oh, okay. It's just, this is a normal night out. And we don't have, you know, we're not expecting something right. every single time. Yeah, that is a challenge, man. It's it's a whole interesting thing you come into when you you have this set of friends or relationships or whatever, and, and you're growing as a person and, and all around, you know, what that ends up changing into. And it's interesting, a lot of people that we work with struggle with that. You know, because yeah. when you when you get to the side and and you 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 put yourself on a limb and as an entrepreneur, you risk so much, whether it's it's finances, time, money your ego, your pride, uh, how you look to society and your family to actually start accomplishing these things. And, and you see how many people live so far below their potential, right? It's, it's pretty fascinating to see you, man, like not too long ago, you had $11 in your bank account and this, you're, you're right there on the edge of destruction to be just a few years later. Um, and you're a wealthy dude, not, not only do you have money coming in, but you have a healthy marriage and family and, you know, son. And it's just, what would you say to those people who are listening, who are living below their means, living below their, their potential rather. Don't quit, but realize that everything that you dream of is actually just on the other side of work. It's, mm-hmm. it's on the other side of commitment. Like if like the two keys, focus and gradualness. Don't yeah. try to do it overnight. Don't, if I don't make half a million, like if you've never made 50 grand a year, you're not going to make half a million dollars this year. Right. Like gradualness is important. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so don't worry about, Hey, if I don't make half a million dollars this year, my life's not going to change. When in reality, if you made an extra eight grand, it would be, you wouldn't have to worry about rent anymore. And that would change everything in your life. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. focus on a few more dollars, focus on your skills. Because yep. as your skills grow, your income's going to grow. And that's one thing that I've really, really noticed over time is in the beginning, it was because, and maybe you felt this too, in the beginning, when you start having consistent money come in, there's a little bit of a question of like, why is this happening? Like, yeah. well, what am I doing different than I was before? I felt like I was pushing really hard before, but why, why are things different? And then you start to realize like, oh, I'm starting to master some things. I'm starting mm-hmm. to improve some skills. I'm starting to become an authority. I'm starting to really get other people results, which is getting me results and things like that. So we went from, you know, $11 a handful of years ago in the bank account to, we did just over a million last year. Um, And having the ability to normalize those things as you're coming up will really help set a base. But if you're somebody right now that isn't where they want to be, congratulations, you're with everybody else. Don't, Mm. Don't worry. You're not alone. It's okay. And then just have, just understand that if you want to reach or whatever version of yourself that you desire, whatever that desire is, start to look at it and start to look for help, start to look, 
how can I get helped to my destination? I've gotten myself this far. What I do now and how I think now will get me this far. It won't get me any further. So how do I have to change to get to where I want to be? Yeah, it's great. So many people discount the the small wins. And when you start stacking small win after small win, there's momentum built, there's confidence built. And that's when you start, it's like the, the big wins just become natural. It's like, you, it's like you, you wake up and you have all this passive cash flow, right? Well, it's just those small wins, man. You just getting up and pushing and making it happen and, and actually getting that first closing, that second one and that third one, and it just builds that momentum. So that's, that's pretty incredible uh, for everybody who, you know, even if you're a successful entrepreneur listening to this, you need to know that you are living below your potential. I don't yes. care if you make a hundred thousand a year, a million a year, whatever, you are still living below your potential. And um, yes, I think a lot of people, you know, Todd, I had this issue a couple of years ago where I got burnt out and it's because I carried like I carried all the weight and I just took so much on and, and I internalized things. Um, I, my strength is not self-awareness. If you ask Taylor, uh, sometimes <laughs> I have to ask Taylor and my wife, how I feel. Um, yeah. you know, how am I feeling today, guys? <laughs> how am I feeling today? And they keep me, they keep me straight and on the, on the narrow path. But, um, what's amazing that I've learned now is, is doing it right, building right. There's so much fruit in that to where we, we are making more money now. We're, we're quote, more successful now than we've ever been, uh, reaching more people than we've ever reached. And I'm happier than I've ever, than I've ever been because of how it's happening and, and the team that we have and the people that we have around us. So, I know that you have a partnership uh, with Jordan and you have a team. How has that changed your life and how you're able to live your life and having the right people involved with you? It changes everything, everything. Could one of us have pushed the company, like say the Kingdom Real Estate, as an example, the education company to the level that yeah. it's at now? Because Could one of us pushed us to that, le- to that level? Possibly. Mm-hmm. That person would be horribly miserable. Yeah. Um, to have the ability to share in the opportunity, the wealth growing, the relationship, it grows everything else in your life. Yep. It creates the freedom. It creates the options in your life. And not to mention, I don't know about you, but I hate doing things that I suck at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I suck at a lot of things. So I would really rather people that are great at those things who get fulfillment out of those things, do those things and they're uplifted and then I don't have to do them. And then I'm focusing on what I'm great at, which is the education piece. So I get to, I, that uplifts me and fulfills me. And then I get, and then we get better results and then everybody's happier like that. Adding people, adding good people to your culture that you've built and adding uh, the right people, which takes time to learn how to, Mm -hmm you know, decipher and build relationships and everything, but adding the right people to your circle makes you limitless. People ask me about my marriage. I had somebody ask me about my marriage one time and they said, what's it like being married? And I looked at him and I said, it feels limitless. Like we make each other limitless Mm. because she's so good on like the operation side. And I'm so good on like the big thinking side that when you put it together, you're limitless. So that's much of how it is in the, business relationship too, uh, Jordan and myself, we're, so, it's amazing how different we are. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. But our dynamic together is so powerful that I wouldn't trade it for anything. Like, right. I love that guy. Like he means the absolute world to me and I wouldn't want to be doing this with anybody else. And we've, you know, we've even had to, you know, 
do tough things to to make sure that it was like us moving forward and as tough as those moments were it's i'm so glad and grateful that we were able to do that because of our relationship now and the team that we've been able to build and the way in the direction that we're moving yeah that's awesome man Big props to you guys for what you've built. Um, for those who are listening, they want to find out more about you. Where where do they go? Uh, Thekingdomrealestate.com is probably the best spot. I know most people are like Instagram and this and that. I actually hate social media. <laughs> me too, honestly. <laughs> it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. I hate Instagram more than anything. You won't see me on Instagram. Uh, people yeah. DM me all the time. I have like thousands of missed DMs and private messages. I, I, like, I don't have a messenger or anything like that. Um, best way, uh, if you want to get in touch with me personally, I mean, best way is honestly, you know, join the kingdom. It's, yeah, you know, we run free trials, you know, all the time. So come into the community, see if it's a good fit for you. But, um, yeah, that's really the best way the kingdom or check out my books on Amazon. Get those books. Todd, thanks for the time. Any last word of wisdom you want to drop here? Focus, gradualness, don't quit. And when it comes to finances, pay yourself first. Love it. Thanks, bro. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening. Discover how you can start building wealth with real estate, even without experience in our free book, Why Real Estate and How to Get Started by visiting wealthcapholdings.com slash book. That's wealthcapholdings.com slash book.